Well, thank you, Amy um, and Andrew for leading us into worship this morning. Uh, good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Jack. I'm Bethany Northeast lead pastor and uh, welcome this morning to this gathering. Um, we're like Amy said, we're starting a new sermon series this morning. The fruit of the spirit that list that kind of have memorized that's iconic list of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I, I think I've missed a couple, but you get it. So over the summer, we're going to be looking at those um, one by one and exploring specifically how each fruit is expressed through in and through the life of Jesus and what we can learn. Um, oh, you can't see my screen. Hold on. Just a moment. That's probably good to be able to do. Oh, you can see it now. Good. <laughs> My wife is yelling from upstairs that she can see it. So hopefully y'all can see it. So we're going to be looking at over the summer, how the fruit of the spirit are evidence in the life of Jesus. And then kind of what that looks like for us. Um, like, how we then as followers of Christ might manifest the life of God in and through our lives. Um, and so part, uh, part of the reason why for this series in the moment, um, why now you might ask, you know, uh, is that this isn't an, an incredibly fruitful time in our world. Um, certainly uh, we've experienced what some might call very, this very long winter over the last year and a half uh, as a result of the pandemic and the, the, um, the different pandemics that we've experienced. And so we're coming, as we're coming out of that, it, we want to both individually as well as communities and institutions that we're part of, we're, we're having, we're being, we've been shaken, shaken and challenged. It's, it's a real time of introspection and asking hard questions. It's a time of lament over losses, injustices. Um, it's a time of needed healing. And it's also a time when we talk about kind of the climate that we're living in within our world, that it's not incredibly fruitful either. Um, it's a time, if you know Paul's passage from Galatians 5, if you happen to turn there, that's often characterized by what he called the fruit of the flesh. Um, so he has the fruit of the spirit, which we all know we don't maybe aren't as familiar with the fruit of the flesh. Uh, but if you look at that list, and I, I pulled up Eugene Peterson's whimsical kind of translation of that, passage from the message. This is Galatians 5, verses 19 to 21. Here are the things he describes as the fruit of the flesh. Things like people trying to get their own way all the time. See if these resonate with you. Magic show religion, uh, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants and impotence to love or be loved, divided homes, divided lives, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, ugly parodies of community. These are just a few of the fruits of the flesh. And if we're honest, um, kind of the fruits of our time, right? And so it's the reason, you know, as you talk to people, young people, especially today, that they and many others are leaving the church, leaving institutional Christianity altogether at a faster rate than ever before. We're seeing shouting at each other within the church, a hunger for power, especially political power. We demonize those we disagree with, uh, we're willing to resort to lies and violence and just to preserve our status in the world. Um, and so Paul is calling us as Christ followers, or Jesus is calling us actually, um, to a different way of life, 
to embody the life of God, to offer hope to the world, and to declare through that that it doesn't have to be that way. Like, there is another way of living in the world. And so that's the summer. It's, it's a big kind of uh, goal for the summer, but we're just setting the series up this morning um, as a whole. And we're going to dive into the fruits in particular beginning next week. So we're kind of zooming out a little bit. And in doing so, I'm just going to say something right now and set this as we set this, this series up that might sound a little contradictory, which is to say that it's not about the fruit. <laughs> when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it's tempting for us to fixate on the fruit, to fixate on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and to sort of strive for those. Um, a, a way maybe of illustrating this as we're thinking about our summers you know, maybe a trip to the farmer's market in your community or maybe a roadside fruit stand um, that you might on a road trip somewhere, if you can picture yourself, maybe a Pike Place Market this summer, and or you see that sign, fresh fruit off the side of I-5 or I-90, and you stop and you get, you know, yourself a flat of strawberries or raspberries or cherries, you know, or, or if you're lucky, a, a bag of ripe peaches, you know, it's heavenly. It's often a very challenging experience for me because I visit these stands and, you know, they only take cash and um, I'm not a cash carrying Christian. <laughs> so you'll have a $20 bill that you borrow from your wife. And then uh, you're trying to figure out to get the most bang for your buck. Like, how can I get all this fruit for $20, you know? And so that's my own story. I don't know if that's been yours, but if you can picture yourself at one of those stands or farmer's markets uh, this summer, it's tempting when you're there to look at all that fruit and to think to yourself, oh, it's just about the fruit. I can't, I can smell it. I can nearly taste it. I've been waiting all winter for this moment. I can't, for the peach cobbler or the strawberry barber crisp and that fresh vanilla ice cream, I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> Do I have your attention yet? Um, but we all know, if we think about it, that it's really not about the fruit. That behind any of those fruits in those stands, there's been a process of cultivation, of soil, of seasons, of harvest, of ripening. That's all of what's behind this fruit. There's care and there's attention, there's work and there's time. There's even loss in many cases as a hard freeze or a blight wipes out an entire acre of harvest, which is like wiping out hope, which is a little bit like what we've experienced this past year. And of course, right there, when you think about it in those terms, you can see how this applies to our conversation about the fruit of the spirit why we're talking about it right now. And so this morning, I, what I want to do with you is just for a few moments, talk about, look at what it means to give ourselves over to the process, to surrender, if you will, to the presence of God. In other words, how might we as followers of Christ live in a posture of trust and expectancy? Like there is going to be fruit of God's presence in our lives if we can learn to simply make ourselves available to God. And so what's, what's beautiful about this metaphor of fruitfulness that Paul uses in Galatians is it's an image all over the Bible, Old and New Testament. You'll find it in the prophets. You'll find it in the Gospels. It's all over the place. In particular, in John 15 that Amy read, uh, Jesus describes himself there as the vine, us as the branches. And I'm sure you heard it, this metaphor of fruitfulness. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. So there's the, there's the promise of fruitfulness. 
Um, it's such a beautiful invitation and promise toward fruitfulness that comes by way, Jesus says, of abiding. Or as some translations say, uh, remaining. And so I think we want to talk maybe for a few minutes this morning about what that might mean. What does it look like to abide? It's an old English word. Um, comes from the word for abode, where we have the word for a home, at homing, is it's to make our home in God. Jesus is inviting us to live with him. That's the invitation, which is such a beautiful invitation if you think about it. What it to make come home, make home with God. Well, I mean, what does that mean, right? It sounds great, but how might that look? Most of us have homes. We're on church right now from our homes. And we're perfectly happy with our homes. <laughs> we don't need another housemate. <laughs> like what? It's hard to imagine what home with Jesus might look like in a day-to-day -day, like way. And so I want to look at that with you. And as I do, I just want to offer a couple of insights um, how that might look and acknowledge at the same time that jumping this so packed, there's so much in there. And so I want to invite you, I just hope that this sparks a few thoughts and that you might have conversations with those in your literal homes whoever those people are, about what it might look like. Maybe your children, you talk about this around the table. What would it look like for us to make home with God? Or maybe it's neighbors and friends. You've been making home with them in your little bubble this year, or you're, some of you are part of this service. You're taking part in this service together with other families right now in a backyard or at a home. And so I invite you to talk together. Like, what would it look like for us to make home with God together, what would some of those practices look like? And so as we ponder those, that question, here's a few thoughts for you just to get you started, that, a few of my thoughts. The first is that abiding, making home with God, really means that everything we need for a life of fruitfulness is given to us. Or the shorthand of that is to say that life is a gift. So John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches, those who abide in me and I in them, bear much fruit because here's the gift apart from me you can do nothing so the abiding life is a life that has this profound sense of being home with god it begins with an attitude or an awareness that i can't do anything by myself everything has been given to me every everything has been given to me apart from christ apart from god i can do nothing um, every moment, every experience, every relationship, every capacity I have, everything is a gift. And if you just think of this in term of, uh, terms of fruit trees for a moment, Jesus is obviously talking about vines, but just to put it in a North Pacific Northwest agricultural context, a fruit is a natural byproduct of life. If, if a tree is alive, it's going to bear fruit. That's the nature of being a living tree. It, it cannot choose not to. Fruit is what you get when a tree has life within it. Uh, a and a tree does not, does not just bear fruit by obeying the laws of nature. It's simply because it's a living tree. It's doing what the tree does because it's alive. The life is within it, rising up from the soil, the water, the sap through it, every branch and twig until it reaches the tips and the blossoms. And there you have fruit, a piece of fruit. So what Jesus is saying in a sense is, or what he's offering us, I should say, is a reminder that if you, if you want to think like trees for a moment, uh, begin with the awareness that your life is a byproduct of simply being in Christ. 
you are in, uh, you might not identify as a Christ follower, but if you do, your life is a gift, all of it. The life of God, His God's Spirit is going to bear fruit in you. It has to, just because you are in God, you are in Christ. Um, you, you, you cannot not bear fruit. And that growth, that fruitfulness, it takes place in, in as much as we begin to acknowledge the life of Christ within us and just appreciate it. All of life is a gift, which practically speaking changes how we pray. It changes how we approach our daily plans, or it can, how we respond to our quote-unquote worst-case scenarios. Uh, this last year has been a worst-case scenario for all of us in many different ways. Difficult situations, difficult people, difficult circumstances. Um, we're not gathering in person right now. You all have been so faithful to gather with us online, and it's hard, especially as we witness other gatherings of communities in our city, in our country. It's hard for us not to be together. And so how might we view this time today as a gift? You know, as we do that, it helps us breathe again. Just take a breath for a moment. You know, that's a gift. You chose it. It's one of the few things that you do that you choose to do, but you also didn't choose it. You cannot not breathe <laughs> to live. Uh, it was a gift. And that perspective, I think, gives us a sense of ourselves back. You know, it gives us faith in the moment and in each other. It allows us to forgive and ask forgiveness. And so today, if you find yourself in a place where you, you might be saying, this is not the life I want. This is not the church gathering I want. This is not the marriage I want. I, I know we can do better. This is not the job I want. I'm not satisfied. I just want to invite you to remember that all of life is a gift. Even this moment, as hard as it is, it, it could be a really difficult moment. And that doesn't mean you should, by the way, I'm not saying we should, we should live inside of hard things, hard marriages, hard jobs. I think we should really investigate those and ask how we can make them better. But even in the midst of those hard things, I think we can have a perspective that, hey, even now, God is gifting me with good things, gifting us with good things, even in difficult moments. And those good things are meant for our growth. So that's the first thing. The first is a perspective of life is a gift. The second is in John 15, 10, that everything that we need to learn, basically, to obey God. Obedience is tied, or fruitfulness is tied to obedience. Uh, As the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, there's the obedience, you'll abide in my love. So it's that keeping, or we might say obeying, that's kind of what that word means, that's key to abiding. Obeying is key to abiding. Now, and obedience, right when I say the word, I know it's hard for us to grasp because the word obedience has so many negative connotations in our world. It makes us think of authority figures who are, have imposed their wills on us, you know, horrible bosses, a really tyrant coach it makes us remember our unhappy child experiences and all the therapy we're going through right now. Um, it's just so many things, right? And so, but none of that applies to, uh, those are legitimate experiences, but none of that applies to Jesus' call toward obedience or what he's really talking about, his invitation to us. That's not the obedience God has in mind for us, which for Jesus is a total fearless listening to God the Father. It's an obedience, did you hear that, that's rooted in love. As the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. 
So, you know, as we keep those commandments of God, the word of God, as we rehearse them and learn them, as we obey the word, so to speak, that's when we learn how to abide in the word, abide in God's love. And you've heard me talk about this before, this concept of obedience. Um, but I learned this from the great spiritual master, Henry Nouwen, who some of you I know really love to read. And he, he talks in one of his books about how the word obedience comes from the Latin word for audir, uh, which means listening. Whereas the word deaf, ironically, opposite of listening, or one of the uh, antonyms of listening, comes from the Latin word certus, which means absurd. So you have <laughs> obedience, listening, audir, uh, certus, absurd. Here's what Nowen says in one of his books. He says, from all I said about our worried, overfilled lives, it's clear we are usually surrounded by so much inner and outer noise that it's hard for us to truly hear our God when God is speaking to us. We have often become deaf, spiritually deaf, unable to know when God's calling, unable to understand which direction God's calling, and thus our lives have become absurd. And the point here is that in calling us toward obedience, um, Jesus is simply inviting us to listen. That's the point, to be all ears. His life was obedient, as Nouwen says, because he was always listening to God the Father, always attentive to God's voice, always alert to God's directions. He was tuned in, did you hear that, to God's voice of love. As the Father loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. He's tuned into the love of God, listening to God's love. He was all ears. Um, that's true prayer, being all ear for God. That's the core of all prayer, listening, standing in the presence of God, not speaking a word, just listening. It's that image of the prophet Elijah. If you remember that story from the Old Testament, uh, he's despondent. You, we, I can identify with him right now in a cave. I'm like in a little cave down here in my basement. And he's in a cave of his own depression and failings and despair and doubt. Um, I think it's a cave many of us can resonate with right now. And there Elijah is found by God and he, God tells him to step out of the cave. And he says, I'm going to visit you now. And Elijah's pretty excited because, wow, visitation from God, this will be good. And then a strong wind comes, if you remember this story, and God's not in the wind. A, an earthquake comes, God's not in the earthquake. A wildfire comes, God's not in the wildfire. And then there was a sheer and utter silence. And that's when God heard, or Elijah heard God. Do, do you see the point? Our fruitfulness, a life of fruitfulness comes out of a posture of attentiveness, obedience, listening. And that's not just, by the way, listening as individuals, uh, though that's an important discipline to cultivate, carving out space in your day to listen to God, um, whether that's an hour in the morning or maybe a day on the weekend or whatever, just to pause in silence. Um, but here's the key. We need, as a community, to learn to listen to God's word to us together and from each other. See, when Jesus is speaking about abiding, he's speaking to a community. When Paul's speaking in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit that we'll get to next week, he's speaking to a community. There are rarely individual yous in the Bible. It's y'all Jesus is speaking to. I mean, if Silas was here this morning, <laughs> he might... Uh, laugh at this, but I think the literal translation is this, as the Father loved me, so I've loved y'all. Now y'all, abide in my love. And y'all, you'll do that best by listening. <laughs> so when we come together in our differences, 
whatever those differences are, our diversity, our plurality, when we discover our true identity, we, that, we get to discover our true identity as a community and we, we get to experience what it means to be called together as a people and recognize that we have the same Lord. The one that we discovered in our solitude is also the Lord of our neighbor and our gathering. And it's that listening to God's word together. That's where we're freed from the power of the fruit of the flesh that I talked about earlier. That's where we're freed from that. And that's where we're freed for a life in God, where God's spirit bears fruit through us. Um, So the question needs to be not simply, where's God leading me in this next season? (laughs) Though that's an important question all of us are being forced to ask. But a more significant question is, where is God leading us as a people? How is God forming us? And do we have the courage to move with God toward God? As difficult as that might be, you know, we can't bear fruit alone. You know, and, and, and so we want so badly for our lives to be like these fruit flats from that fruit stand I described earlier. And there's this gap right now between that image and our community, maybe. Um, things don't feel so fruitful. Might we begin in ways that we, we can't even imagine in this moment because we're not seeing each other, we're not really physically together. Might we begin to ask, how can we listen together, participating in whatever gatherings we can offer, choosing to form some of your own gatherings this summer, um, practice listening together, um, and then let us be a listening community, listening to God well. May that be the mark of our community in this coming season so we might be fruit-bearing. That's the second thing. Here's the last thing. I'll just be more brief here on this one. But within our lives, or as you say, behind our lives, is a careful hand at work. So fruitfulness comes by way of cultivation. And I'll be brief because I already kind of talked about this. But what Jesus says in uh, verse 2, I'm the vine, you're the, you're, or I'm the true vine. My father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. However, every, and here's the, here's the cultivation piece, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it more fruitful. Ouch. (laughs) See, what's key about fruitfulness, both for Paul and Jesus and whoever talks about this, is that we're not wild blackberry bushes, as good as those blackberries are. Um, We are fruit that is born through cultivation, careful cultivation. The true vine of which we're a part is a cultivated vine. You know, earlier this year, we have some fruit trees in our backyard and uh, they're along our back fence. There's an apple tree, a cherry tree. There's a few. And uh, Elizabeth was out there pruning those over several weekends and lopping off branches from the top. And ma- they were pretty rough looking. And this is not a critique of my wife's pruning. <laughs> but I remember walking out on our deck. You know, just don't do this, husbands. But uh, walking out there, just thinking to myself, probably commenting like, wow, those fruit trees are never going to bear fruit ever again. They're not even going to grow leaves. They look awful. I was pretty bummed because, frankly, a loss of privacy on our back fence. That's what I thought. And I'll just tell you what, if I could be out there right now, if I could show you, every one of them is, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Please forgive me, Elizabeth. Like, they were filled with, they were filled with leaves, branches, lots and lots of fruit. We can talk about the quality of our fruit, but we don't bother with that. But there's cherries, there's apples, there's pears, there's plums. And the point is that those fruits and that growth came by, as a byproduct of Elizabeth's pruning. 
They wouldn't, it wouldn't have been there. Would have just been wild. Maybe gotten some apples. I don't know. But she's out there over the uh, February, March, carefully lopping off branches, nipping buds that would not bear fruit, carefully tending each tree one by one. And here's the key. Cutting back or pruning is not a painless process for the tree. It's, it's at first sight for the person observing it hurtful, counterproductive in the moment. It doesn't look good. It didn't look good to me. It's hard to imagine that anything good could come of that. Um, and it seems to me this has everything to do with our lives, both in seasons like we're in right now, as well as especially this past season we've come out or we're coming out of. Uh, we have such a profound sense of loss and suffering right now. Pruning has to do with suffering and loss. The person who is being pruned is being hurt. We've experienced personal and collective hurt. We, we all know that there are these errant shoots on our lives that are diverting nutrients in our communities, in our world, that are diverting nutrients from the most fruitful branches. And so sometimes it's just the pruning that needs to happen of our own fruit trees, if you will, if I'll push the metaphor a little bit. So that's what it means to abide in the vine. It's to submit ourselves to the process of being cut back, of reduction, of diminishment, of humbling, if you want to use a spiritual term. So do you hear it? This is a key and a really hard place to end. But part of the growth process is our own pruning, a cutting away, a letting go of things in our lives that are peripheral or tangential in order that we might focus on the things that remain and then thus be fruitful. And so a possible encouragement for us um, is that some of us, perhaps all of us, can look at an experience in our lives right now where things seem painful, where we're experiencing diminishment, where there's like a hurtful cutting back, a reduction, a loss of influence. You just put it in your own life. And nevertheless, in light of this text and this metaphor, might we be able to say to ourselves, in hope, is this pruning? This might just be pruning. This, not, this might not be the end. <laughs> this might be the beginning of something new that I could never imagine um, for my life, for our community. And if we can acknowledge that as followers of Jesus, that we're connected to the vine, that God is good, that God is growing, he's his bringing his life through us, that will change our perspective and our situations and our stories. Because on the far side of every pruning, if you're, if you're carrying this metaphor with me, is growth. The promise, that's the promise of God in our lives. To bring life out of death, beauty out of ashes, and hope out of despair. That's the gospel. It's the power of the Spirit of God we worship and fall to bear fruit in our lives. I'm going to take a moment to pray now, but I want to invite you to just, again, think about what would it look like to make home with God? How might I put any of these things I've just said into place in my life? Um, how might I practice listening with other people in this season? Who can I be listening with? And, and where are some areas maybe I'm experiencing some pruning? And how might I just reflect on that? and expect God to do good things, amazing things. Let's take a moment to pray, and then I'll invite Andrew back. God, thank you so much for the morning, for our gathering, for your word, and for, most of all, for your spirit that is coursing through each of our veins. We have been given your spirit because you breathe life into us.
And so wherever, at, wherever we're at in our journey with you, God, might we learn to rest and abide. Might we learn to, this week, be home with you. Even as we're working from home, even as we're with our families and other people from home, might we learn what it looks like to invite you into those gatherings, in those spaces, even when they're hard. I thank you that you choose that. You choose to come home to us, that you've chosen us as your people. We pray this in Christ's name, who is our great hope.